Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, uh, which, by the way, is much more than a daily report. It really is a knowledge platform and from which uh, we communicate thought leadership on various uh, strategic topics um, through the reports, but also through these podcasts, webinars, and hopefully live events sometime soon. So along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, <clears throat> who is a, prof a professor at FIT in Syracuse University, uh, we welcome you to our weekly podcast. And today's topic, uh, re-commerce hype on circula circularity. Uh, is it real or faux? Shelly, this is a big deal, right? Yeah, it really I mean, is. Re-commerce, resale, pre-owned. I mean, the whole idea of buying and uh, wearing or using something that that was previously owned and used or worn by somebody somebody else, uh, it, it really is a huge thing. Personally, I um, I, I don't get the idea, but. Um, and I wouldn't probably participate, but forget my opinion. I'm not a part of the younger generation who is really driving this uh, whole concept. Um, you know, and, and we have to look at uh, what brands uh, like Lululemon, who's testing res resale, or look at how the industry is framing the process of selling pre-owned goods as re-commerce and how they are questioning whether this process, a new segment of the business, is, is either a big win or a losing proposition. Of course, we're in the early stages of this. I mean, uh, Lululemon uh, tested re-commerce re in California and Texas, and now they plan to roll it out nationwide. So they must have been getting some new business out of that. Anyway, and, and other retailers like Levi, ThreadUp, uh, The Real Real, they've been growing their resale and re-commerce markets. So, Shelly, um, you're always good at this. Please share some of the current financial numbers around re-commerce. Sure. So the growth of re-commerce certainly remains strong. So I'm going to give you kind of a bunch of different numbers here from different sources so according to the U.S. Census Bureau, they tracked used merchandise store sales. So these are just physical brick and mortar sales uh, of stores that sell pre-owned goods. So used merchandise sales stores were up 37% in 2021. And compared to 2019, which is the pre-pandemic level, they're up 25%. So, wow. and keep in mind, this does not include online, e-com, digital, all those uh, fancy new apps like uh, Depop and Poshmark, okay? So store yeah, revenue alone, just the store revenue is over 22 billion. eBay, their full year revenues from last year were up 17%. And eBay alone has now broken $10 billion. Incredible, incredible. I know, it's amazing. and. Cowan, financial Cowan uh, report yeah. said that they're predicting that you're going to love this number, that re-commerce 
which includes in their number, resale, rental, and subscription models, all of that's included in the Cowan number, will account for 14% of all apparel, footwear, and accessories market by 2024. Got to be kidding. No. (laughs) (laughs) And ThreadUp suggests that apparel alone, apparel resale is going to be a $64 billion market by 2024. Unbelievable. What these are big numbers, Shelly. I mean, I, you know, I thought, I don't know. I thought it was going to be a blip, you know, a blippy trend that would kind of, you know, come be hot for a while and then go. And, and by the way, um, Poshmark's valuation shot past $7 billion following its successful IPO in mid January. And Cowan, again, est- estimates that. Resale platforms are growing at a compounded annual growth rate of more than 34%. Crazy. Yeah. So, you know, all the numbers are in alignment and certainly the industry is growing, but this is really being driven by Gen Z. You know, millennials kind of started it with sustainability and the circular economy, but Gen Z is really um, focused on buying and purchasing from brands and positively contributing to sustainability efforts. So in eBay's second annual, they actually have now, it's the second one, re-commerce report. There's actually a report called re-commerce report. Um, eBay showed that pre-owned products have grown among the younger generations. And in the survey, it found that 80% of Gen Z who were surveyed bought secondhand merchandise. Wow. So this whole idea of environmental consciousness, meaning really keeping used objects out of landfills, conserves energies from production. So minimizing producing more goods and also the impact environmentally on the logistics. So peer-to-peer sale platform, Depop, which I mentioned a minute ago, has attracted 26 million buyers and sellers. of those that are buyers and sellers on Depop are Gen Zs. So the company recently announced a two-year sustainability plan to become carbon neutral and prioritize circular economy or responsibly made fashion in its uh, collaborations. Yeah. And and Shelly, first first insight, (coughs) excuse me, found that 62% of both Gen Zers and millennials prefer to buy from sustainable brands. Uh, In fact, some of these younger consumers now shop almost exclusively secondhand for apparel and footwear because it gives them access to higher quality products that simply they might not otherwise be able to afford, which kind of makes sense. Um, And it also minimizes their consumption footprint and reinforces their social credentials, you know, which we know they're all into. Absolutely. But the question that really remains is whether retailers taking back merchandise and reselling used products is a long-term profitable model. So right. yes, I get that the retailers want to be more sustainable and they want to do the right thing and create more circular economy opportunities. Um, but with that said, you know, the companies still need to have some type of infrastructure, reverse logistics process to really set up and make sure that re-commerce doesn't actually 
become a quote unquote cost of doing business. So, you know, many companies struggle just getting product out, you know, normal product out through the supply chain. So adding another complexity of doing re-commerce may not be a smooth process for all companies. Yeah, that's for sure, Shelly. And, you know, for uh, Lululemon, um, this is kind of crazy, but the goal is not to make or keep the profits for the company, but to use the profits of the resale merchandise to fund the company's impact agenda, which is making 100% of the chain's products from sustainable materials by 2030. But like you're saying, if there are no profits, the program does not get funding. It's very interesting. And Lululemon is using uh, their like new resale brand um, as a customer acquisition strategy as well. So many retailers who do not have the infrastructure or logistics are turning to uh, third party companies like Trove. Uh, who works with Patagonia, Levi's, uh, (coughs) EI, and Eileen Fisher. The the Renewal Workshop, which is, by the way, another third-party e-commerce company, um, with facilities, by the way, in Oregon and Amsterdam, they've developed a zero-waste system recovering the full value out of what has already been created as a way of serving customers, partners, and planet. I mean, um, you know, the renewal system takes discarded apparel and textiles and, and turns them into uh, renewed products, upcycled materials or recycling feedstock, for example. And data is collected on everything that flows through the system which then is given back to the brand partners to help them improve the production and design of future products. I think that's the most interesting part of that program is really learning from the design process and making changes on future you know, products, design uh, of products. But here's a fun fact about pre-owned products that were sold on eBay. So on eBay in 2021, Pre-owned products that were sold reduced carbon emissions. This is the primary contributor to climate crisis. So it reduced carbon emissions by approximately 540,000 metric tons. Wow. Which is equivalent to the powering almost 65,000 U.S. homes for one year. So it's really making a big impact. And, you know, some companies, Lululemon, REI, for example, they're using re-commerce really as a loyalty builder. And this can certainly be a huge win in terms of driving higher engagement with customers. So REI has this slightly used products, but it's only uh, accessible to members. So it's a member benefit. And the REI supply, uh, REI supply program allows members to buy used gear or to trade in their gear for gift cards. And, you know, I, I actually interviewed uh, REI a while back and I asked them about this and they brought up a really good point. You know, for a company like REI, some consumers don't want to go full speed ahead into a activity. So if I want to go into, you know, 
climbing mountains. I don't want to spend all this tons of money on all this new equipment to find out I actually have a fear of heights and don't really want to mountain climb. But if I could buy some used gear, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me for a company like, you know, REI. Um, And this whole idea of collaborative consumption has been a focus for eco-friendly consumers and selling gently used products keeps worn goods out of the landfills. So REI estimates that buying a used item avoids 50% of carbon emissions from new product manufacturing. And I can't believe this, but even IKEA is taking back products in exchange for store credit. They're doing that in over 30 participating stores as part of the, their journey in becoming a more circular business. Um, but the buyback and resale service that's offered in IKEA is only for IKEA family members. So that's their loyalty program. Yeah. You know, another ma- amazing example, Shelley, uh, as reported in uh, Retail Wire, <clears throat> uh, Target uh, launched its own page on the ThreadUp platform to sell secondhand clothing from its private label brands and their exclusive designer collaborations at discounts up to 90% off their original price. Credible. 90% off private brand? I'm not sure how that's profitable. Maybe it's a cost avoidance. (laughs) But this whole move towards circularity is great for brands. And honestly, Robin, it's great for the industry. I had the pleasure of meeting Renee Morin. She's the chief sustainability officer at eBay. And it wants to really be this thought leader on re-commerce. So the company actually plans to release new methodologies and key performance indicators around the re-commerce sector to really develop guidelines to share with the industry. So I think putting some measurement tools in place will be key in understanding the impact, the real impact on the environment and having industry standards that can really drive, you know, positive change. You know, Shelley, another perspective came to mind, um, which I think is very interesting. <clears throat> you know, the industry has realized, and of course, you and I have known this, that it has been overstored for decades. And Therefore, obviously, uh, I used to say overstuffed with products. So think about this. If this new phenomenon of circularity, if it really becomes uh, supported by young consumers and their pocketbooks, if it sticks, if it's real, it will also perhaps bring the overstored and overstuffed situation back into, you know, some supply demand equilibrium. Interesting. Yeah, that would be uh, great to be able to do that. And also re-commerce, as we mentioned, is a great way to build loyalty, offer exclusive benefits to loyal customers. And as you said, can even help with customer acquisition. And I don't think that's ever been thought out before uh, in the re-commerce market. Yeah, yeah. You know, Shelly, when we think of you know, the billions of tons, which you had mentioned, of stuff that ends up in landfills or in, in our oceans. I mean, it's like we're turning the planet into one big garbage dump. Really is kind of depressing when you think about it. So let's hope, let's hope that our younger, um, that our younger generation is really walking the walk and demanding 
a circulatory economy, um, which in turn will force brands, retailers and producers and sellers across all industries to transform their operating and marketing models. And as they say, Shelley, follow the money. <laughs> well, if you follow the smart money, there's some big money going into sustainability. I mean, one quick example is Stanford University gets $1.1 billion for a new climate school from John Doerr. And John Doerr is uh, the billionaire venture capitalist. <clears throat> and, and here's what he said. He said, the study of climate change and sustainability would be the new computer science. The gift establishes uh, the doors as leading funders of climate change research and scholarship and will place uh, Stanford at the center of public and private efforts to wean the world of fossil fuels. I say amen and keep it up. I hope it sticks and it's real. I say you too, Shelley. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to end our podcast. For our listeners, yep. you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Bowsprout, and therobinreport.com. And you can also look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I would like to thank everybody once again. And Yes, let's all please focus on the planet and what's happening to it and what we can do about it. Um, and by the way, if any of you have topics that you've been thinking about and would like Shelly and I to cover, please send me an email. It's robin at therobinreport.com. Thanks very much again. <laughs>